if there's this constant craving for something outside of yourself um, that will somehow make your life better, make you feel better, cure your depression, solve all your anxieties, you know, give you a happy life. And yet everything you really need is inside of you already. You just need to connect with it. Hello, my fellow pursuers of peace. I have the great pleasure this week in speaking to my guru, Ben Uzi. Ben is an osteopath and mindfulness teacher who's one of the most interesting and wise people that I know. In this delightful, topical and all-encompassing convo, we discuss Alan Watts, the troubling status quo, the practical applications of mindfulness, and Ben even treats us to a meditation at the end to chill us all the fuck out. You can reach out to Ben at ifleyturnpractice.co.uk with two Fs, and you can find that address at my site, thenaturalhighclub.com. This is such a beautiful interview, and I have absolutely zero doubt this week that you will indeed enjoy the show. The Natural High. There he is! There he is! (laughs) (laughs) How are you? I'm really well. How are you, mate? I'd love to see your beautiful glowing face. You you get younger every time I see you. It's the good life, well, isn't it? Contraption. <laughs> <laughs> it's the clean, good life. Clean living. Clean living. <laughs> yes, mate. Yes, absolutely. Talk to me. What have you been doing in the last three years? How are you? Uh, I'm, I'm, well, all things considered, I'm very well. Um, three years, again, that's gone quick, isn't it? Um, not quite such, such uh, as last time, but uh, um, yeah, really, really interesting time definitely absolutely bizarre times how are you coping are you still like doing your normal daily stuff or have you are you sort of in hiatus like so many others including myself uh yeah very much in hiatus we've had to close our clinic um and you know worrying times for the business uh on that front uh, we're getting some support from the the british government which should hopefully see us through but um yeah definitely a major disruption I'm still doing the meditation stuff online, um, um, which, you know, it works reasonably well. Um, but is that as is that as an extension to your company or is that like an independent pursuit? Um, so I, I'm a mindfulness teacher and I'm an osteopath. So um, at the clinic, we I, I, I do both um, and I teach my, mindfulness and I, I see patients who've got back pain, neck pain, shoulder pain, that sort of thing. Um, but obviously I can't do that face to face at the moment. So we're, we're shut for face to face appointments. Um, we're still doing online appointments, but it, where, where the osteopathy is concerned, it doesn't, doesn't really work that well. I mean, it's okay. You can help advise people and so on, but there's something lacking there, obviously. Um, with the meditation, it works Mm. much, much better. Um, but there's still something a little stilted about it compared to being with people in the flesh. So yeah, huge disruption um we're all stuck at home uh, we're very lucky we've got a, a garden we live near to some fields uh, we've been blessed in england with like three weeks of glorious weather so um it, it's uh it's been it's not been that bad it could have been a lot worse um but certainly you know unprecedented times and unprecedented levels of disruption in our lives yeah totally uh, so the um the so the business has been sort of stilted to to a degree i suppose that the stuff that's more physical the more physical it is the harder it is to do remotely have you heard of, of a website called universe.com i have not who are they ah 
Okay, so I've been using universe.com quite a bit. And it's the, it, the reason I'm talking to you about it is because it segues nicely into our sort of broader discussion about coronavirus. Basically, uh, they do meditation and yoga and all this sort of on all these online classes. There's sort of, you know, positivity classes, yeah. affirmations, meditations, loads of different Asians. <laughs> we can never have too many. And <laughs> it's worth checking out, actually. I think you'd like it. And I think pretty much anybody can sort of sign. Any teacher can sign up and do stuff on it. But it sounds like the sort of thing you're doing already. We keep talking about sort of going back to normal, don't we? How long is it going to be before we go back to normal? Do you think things will ever look exactly the same as they did from pre-corona times? Um, I think if they do, I think if we are tempted to fall back, back into precisely our old way of doing things then we're only just going to face bigger and far worse versions of what we're we're facing now um not just in, in terms of viruses but in terms of economic breakdown in, environmental breakdown <clears throat> you name it societal breakdown i think if we go back to business as usual we'll just you know the the same the same problems will keep arising and they'll just become more and more powerful and um, sooner or later, we'll have to, to change what, the way we do things. So um, wh whether we will go back, um, whether we will sort of um, come back and do things differently is remains to be seen. Uh, I think unless we fundamentally change the way we see ourselves and our, and our relationship with the world and the universe as a whole, um, we're just going to keep getting hit by these problems. Yeah, man. And, and it's a conversation I've been having with everybody I've spoken to recently on The Natural High because it just seems so relevant. And I, I'm you, you probably know me. I know myself as an eternal optimist. Like, I'm a very optimistic person. I'm always glass half full. But I'm, I'm really not optimistic about how things are going to turn out after this because... I keep talking to people about this, the idea of progress and what it means in modern life, you know, in our society. And it doesn't really have particularly positive associations for me. Progress means sort of industrialization, doing things faster and quicker, providing meat to more people more cheaply around the world. And, and it's a really sort of strange, unsophisticated idea of progress, really. And, I, you know, I like to think that maybe after this, this will be the ultimate lesson for us to understand that, you know, global heating is real. You know, ecological disaster is just around the corner. Or, well, on our doorstep, basically. And that we have to make huge, serious changes to our lifestyles if we are going to exist for the next hundred years. It's even now, I still think it's a difficult sell to a lot of people, especially people who don't have families, because they can't, they're not that fussed about what happens in 30 years time, unless I suppose they've got young families and then they care about, you know, how things are going to look for their kids, for their offspring. But I think a lot of people just, they don't really, they just don't love the planet. We're not taught to love well, the planet. Well, there's, there's a lot of stuff to unpack in there. Um, you're definitely right that uh, parenthood does change one's perspective, as uh, you will no doubt be finding out in the not too distant future. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll, I definitely we'll want to come to on to that. Of course. And actually, the last thing you said was very interesting that people don't learn to love the planet uh, or the biosphere, whatever you want to call it. Um, but the, the fundamental mistake we make, um, the fundamental illusion that we're all, most of us, and certainly all of our systems and all our societies are operating under is the, the misunderstanding that we are in any way separate from um, the world and universe around us. We are fundamentally interrelated and interlinked with the, the web of life, 
that, uh, uh, you know, it sort of expands all around our planet and further out into the universe itself. So until we can understand that, whilst we see ourselves as somehow separate from um, that living uh, matrix of, of, of uh, that web of life, um, we'll, we'll continually make the wrong decisions and we'll continually value the, the wrong things that actually make us um, feel whole and bring us together and would create a, um, a, a more just, uh, equitable, loving society. Um, so um, whether, and I don't think that the, that transition can come from within the existing paradigm. So there is no institution right now, whether it's political, academic or, or whatever, that can bring about the change in the people of the world. It's something that we're all going to have to do ourselves um, in our own hearts and minds. And this is where these kind of crises are in the midst of all the sadness and, the, and the, uh, the genuine tragedy of what's happening to lots of people right now, is this, is this glorious opportunity to shift consciousness, to change perspective and to find different ways forward that perhaps we couldn't have conceived of before the crisis. The crisis itself is a, is a mechanism by which we can, we can make that shift. But unfortunately, what it, it usually means is that everything kind of has to come crashing down around us before we, we, we realize um, that we need to change. It's so true. <laughs> Necessity is the mother of invention, isn't it? But we don't seem to, Absolutely. we don't ever seem to have the foresight or the proactivity in order to make changes, you know, in a timely fashion. It seems like we're going to have to, you know, have tsunamis at the door before we actually, we actually make the changes. <laughs> yes. But, you know, um, I want to come back to that. I want to focus on that for a second because I've really been ruminating on it and thinking about our treatment of the planet. Like, mm. you know, I've used this term, I'm like a broken record, but I, I try and sort of, I think about it in terms of like your garden or your bedroom, you mm. know, something that you have pride in and that you tend to and that you try and make look beautiful and you want to nourish. We do that with sort of smaller things around us, yeah. but we don't none of us do it with the world as a whole do we? we don't look at i don't think many people i certainly don't i'm i'm realizing now i don't view the world with that sort of sense of ownership and love and wanting to nourish it and care for it i don't have that sense of oneness that you you just been talking about yeah absolutely and um that is at heart the problem um not do you just... think that's social conditioning or do you think that's nature our natures um no, our true nature is to be connected mm. uh, to the, the the web of life and the universe, and and to be one and to be a um, an expression of it. Um, and so, but somewhere along the line, we've gone we've gone astray, and there there may well have been a purpose to that. Um, it may well be may well may well have been part of our development to separate, um, and then um, have this crisis. And, and, and can then come back um, to the connected you know, wholeness and oneness of life. So I remain optimistic, although I can see that there are some very difficult times ahead for everyone. Um, but essentially we, we do it, it, you know, using your analogy of the garden and, and so on, it's, it's, it's the, the point 
the minute you see it as belonging to you rather than an extension of you, you're already in that space where you're, you've got a, an erroneous understanding of what's going on. In many ways, we don't have to do anything. Um, the problem is, is we're too busy doing and trying to fix and trying to um, uh, innovate and, 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 and interfere. And perhaps we need to stop doing quite so much of that and spend a bit more time just being. Um, and stepping back and just taking a different mode of consciousness uh, into our everyday interactions. Um, and I think this is where the mindfulness and the meditation are really going to be a fundamental part of our transition if we're going to make it. Because it teaches that's exactly what it teaches you to do. Mm, wonderful, wonderful. And do you think so? Do you feel that it is becoming ever more mainstream mindfulness and meditation? I mean, it seemed it was so left field, wasn't it? Even like 10, 15 years ago, but now it seems like it's on so many more people's lips. Yeah, absolutely. It's definitely um, uh, much more popular, much more prevalent. And there's lots of reasons for that. I mean, I think one is um, that it has certainly the mindfulness has been packaged in a way that it's a, uh, anyone can come to it and, and find it accessible. They, they have, they've sort of stripped away a lot of the um, sort of new agey spiritual or religious aspects of it. And uh, they presented it as a very sort of scientific, secular um, version of, of these old, old ideas. So that, that opens it up to a whole new audience. But above all, I think there's this yearning, this absolute yearning, especially in the West, to, to find that spiritual connection because it's completely missing from our story of who we are and how we live our lives. You know, that, that... Is that because of science? Is that because everything seems to be need to be rubber stamped with the science stamp these days? And if it hasn't been rubber stamped with science and it's sort of, you know, discarded. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's that's definitely part of it. We we are sort of overly reliant on our intellectual capacities. I've got no problem with science and the, the scientific method. Um, but certainly our scientific institutions have become dogmatic and restricted and reductionist and materialistic and they, they're sort of ignoring this whole other aspect of, of life and sort of denying its existence um uh, so they're, they're not being as effective as they could be if they just sort of um, open their gaze a little bit um, and widen their horizons um so yeah science science is going to play a big part in in us in our transition and in getting through all this but not it, we won't make it if or we'll just keep facing more and more problems if we're still mired in this sort of feeling of separation, of reductionism, of materialism, um, which pervades all our institutions and are no more than our scientific institutions. So that that really has to change. Materialism, you know, you know that's such a resonant word with, when you consider the problems with the status quo. I think that, you know, our sort of greed for materials is, is really mm -hmm. problematic and sort of insatiable. Because as you know, I'm sure, um, it's almost a stereotype to talk about it, but you know, you, you, you crave certain materials and then you get them and you never get the enjoyment that you think you're going to get from them. You know, like the, the wanting of the material is, is more alluring and more, more compelling than the actual enjoyment you get from the material itself. So true, so true. I mean, they're always ultimately <clears throat> unsatisfying is why you go back for more. Um, and it's, right. it's this, this constant craving for something outside of yourself. Um, that will somehow make your life better, make you feel better, cure your depression, solve all your anxieties, you know, give you a happy life. 
And yet everything you really need is inside of you already. You just need to connect with it. Um, and and once you can do that, your your <clears throat> your need for all these sort of superfluous material um, elements will will fall away. We we obviously need some material stuff. On one level, we live in a material world, and you can't deny that. Have you ever seen a documentary called Century of Self? Century of the Self. Uh, yes, I have. Um, Curtis. Oh. Uh, was yes. Mark Curtis is. I can't remember. Somebody Curtis. Yeah. It's on YouTube, it's available to everybody, and it's really interesting because I've always juggled it with the notion of whether, you know, this materialism is innate, inherent, or do we, you know, is it part of our instinct or is it sort of part of, you know, society, we socially conditioned to want stuff? And that century of the self is really interesting because it talks about the origins of PR, mm -hmm. the term PR and the fact that it originally came from the word propaganda, and that what it was was sort of um, these sort of business people uh, and corporations creating need within human beings mm -hmm after the Second World War, when for the first time there was an abundance of materials, you know, with mass manufacturing, people people could have more than they actually needed. Mm -hmm. So they actually make adverts saying, you don't just need a red T-shirt, you could have a white one and a blue one <laughs> and a purple one too. Yeah. <laughs> it seems absolutely ridiculous and naive now, but, you know, that was seemingly like, you know, part of the birth of this world that we find ourselves in now, this bloated world of so much waste and pollution and things that we we think we want and then we just discard oh we fell for it hook line and sinker didn't we i mean yeah we fell for it um so the cheap shiny thing yeah absolutely and it, it picks at this um this sense of alienation this sense of separateness um and that's the hole in our in our in our being that needs to, we're trying to fill with all these material material objects. I mean, there was a time when we weren't like that. We were much more in tune with nature, much more in tune with the natural flow of life and the seasons. We felt connected to the earth. Uh, we felt connected to our environment. And then somewhere along the line, we become so traumatized or we become so clever that we've we've sort of lost sight of that and or the importance of it. Um, and I think what this crisis is inviting us to do is to find our way back um, and in a way we've all been given this opportunity i know it's not the same for everybody some people are probably working harder now than they've ever worked in their life but for many people we've given this opportunity to to retreat to go inwards to spend some time just thinking about you know who they are what they want to do what's really important in their life and I think what we might see is when once the lockdown eases and people sort of reemerge back to their old life, they will be different. They will be changed and they will gradually start to make changes in their life. And one of the things they might have realized is, you know, they don't need all this stuff, um, certainly don't need as much of it. So, you know, that's 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 one thing that might happen. Um, certainly, I'm, I'm hopeful that it will. Um, yeah, carry on. I was going to say, I love your optimism and I want to share it. But yeah, just I just I just can, I'm so concerned that, you know, within five, six months of this, you know, of this dying down, that people will just be like, right, we need to make up for lost time, you know, make things even faster, make even more stuff, you know, be a, more efficient. Yeah. Whereas I just think it's, the, it's the, you know, I love the idea of globalization. I think this could be like a real true globalization moment in terms of our evolution where, you know, the UN or the powers that be just come together and say, right, we need to make changes across the board. It can't be a country mm -hmm. for country thing. And of 
course, that's got complexities in itself. For example, you know, China is way behind the, the most developed countries in the world in terms of stuff that, you know, they've manufactured and their GDP, etc. So they may have issues with be asking, you know, being curtailed in terms of their development, their, mm -hmm. their industrialization. Mm -hmm. But it, it seems like we don't really have, we've had our yellow card now. Do you know what I mean? We don't really have yeah, the option anymore. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the crises are coming thick and fast. Yeah. And the warning signs you know, a sort of, you know, flashing red. Um, and, you know, we maybe not, maybe we don't, maybe we won't make. And I do have my days when I feel despondent and um, really worried about how things are going to turn out. But, you know, you just got to sit with that and reflect on it and use it in a positive way to do the only thing that any of us really can do, which is to change ourselves. Um, because as I said, I don't really think the answer to, the, to this crisis is, is, is doing anything in particular is, is is innovating or changing they will be part of the problem but if 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 our mindset is wrong whatever we do it'll it'll end up backfiring so you need right mind and with right mind comes right action so the most important thing i would say for for everybody in the world today is to is to start spending more time in the present moment connecting with your with yourself with your mind with your body um, and then finding a, a calm and loving space from which you can emerge to interact with the, the world outside um, and if we can do that you will you will naturally sort of make decisions and choose paths that will be much more healthy and much better for you and then you know rippling out across all the different people that might do that we can affect the right change but if we go out there with this need of with this idea of right we've got to fix things i just think um it's all going to come come back with a vengeance so maybe we just need to slow down a little bit and rather rather than rushing around like headless chickens yeah absolutely i mean i was as guilty of that as anybody before this crisis doubt you know, it. i doubt it, it. <laughs> you're my guru don't say that <laughs> well you know um, I certainly made time for my meditation and, and, and was working on it, but you, you get sucked into it. You know, I had a business. I've got two kids, um, uh, friends, um, uh, multiple material possessions to keep going and, and, you know, cars and so on. And everything is all just more stuff you've got to do and, um, and spend mental uh, effort and time on. Um, and, yeah, it just you can get sucked into this whirlpool of activity where you, you never really stop and and allow your mind to settle and allow those deeper insights to come. Yeah, that's a really good point. So, you know, um, it's, I, you know I, I, can't, I can't claim any sort of uh, moral high ground here. I'm every much enmeshed in the system as anybody else. Um, but I think, you know, I, I'm aware of that at least. And perhaps trying to find a way to to move forwards in a, in a healthier way yeah definitely I, I don't know about you but i've actually found it easier to be in the present during this situation i'm sure, sure a lot of people are just more worried than ever about the future and about how they mm. you know spunked their cash in the past and weren't a little bit more prudent now they've got no cash but um yeah. you know I, i'm sort of thinking about the present much more and i'm able to live in the present sort of you know quite comfortably because the future is so unpredictable there's no point even trying to consider it Absolutely. You just talked about, you know, being part of the system and, and I feel that too. But I also think that because of that, 
a lot of people think, well, I'm just part of the system. I can't make any change myself, any positive change. Mm-hmm. But we also discussed earlier how everybody needs to change. It needs to be in the micro as well as the macro. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's an important uh, idea moving forward that, you know, all we can control is ourselves. Yes. And if we can live in a more sustainable way in the first instance, i.e., not be part of the problem yeah then that 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 could be a really a, a really great um idea to put into people's minds that you know all they can do at this point in time is live more purely themselves yeah absolutely that's all any of us can do um most of these problems are too big for any one person to fix on their own so um all you can do is, is look after your own um internal environment and then if you if you can make that a healthier place you, it will start to bleed out into your external environment. So um, get yourself right first or, or begin to work on yourself and um, hopefully things will then start to fall into place. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think uh, I'm sure plenty of people have found this this period very, very difficult. Um, but that, that will be an important phase for them to go through. Um, this sort of turning inwards isn't always about being blissful and peaceful and and all you know loving kindness and all that sort of stuff um when we turn inwards obviously we we really go into the deepest parts of our mind and you know uh there be dragons um so you do have to be you do have to be aware that that that's that's going to come up And, and what a lot of us our process is going to have to be is to is to deal with our fears and to deal with our darker elements our shadow side um, and in order to to move forwards into into a, a happier, healthier world, um, we may all have to confront our own personal demons, and um, that won't be a lot of fun. Um, but it is necessary. Do you, I've been talking about uh, globalization already, but do you think there might be a move the other way? Because there's been lots of talk during this crisis about you know the the idea of you know independent farms springing up again, locally produced stuff being more important than ever, you know, and how a big agriculture is playing such a bad part in you know in the in the trajectory of of you know, humankind in the world and the environment. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you think there might be? Do you think people might turn more into sort of the, the you know independent, smaller scale side of production again? And do you think that might foster a better sense of community? What I should have said from the outset is that anyone who is making any strong predictions right now is uh, <laughs> <laughs> is crazy. Because just who knows? Mm. Who knows how this is gonna how this is gonna pan out? Um, but yeah, definitely more regenerative um, means of production is is clearly where we need to go, and perhaps. Um, more localism, sourcing what we need as much as we can from our immediate environment. And if you bring in these regenerative, we, these sort of, they're kind of new but old, if you see what I mean. There's lots of um, practices coming out now which which take the sort of the more regenerative ideas but use sort of modern um, thought processes with them and you sort of get this perfect symbiosis of the two and, and they're, they're, they're just as effective as if not more so than in terms of yield than our current sort of um, um, agri um, what's it called agribusiness way of doing things Um, but they're obviously much less harmful to the environment so we have all the solutions to all of our problems they're all that they're at hand agreed we just have have to recognize that the reason we're not choosing them is because our mindset is wrong so as long as we can change our mindset, we will we will start to to bring these um, other ways of doing things into being, and 
and all of our pro- problems are solvable. Mm. And I, th- I think we sort of live in a real blame culture. It's more comfortable for the individual to delegate blame onto somebody else. And I'm about to do that, having just said that. So I'm going to contradict myself. But, you know, <laughs> I, I just want to raise the, you know, raise the topic about big corporations. I think a lot of them would rather maintain the status quo, even now, rather than spend out more in the first instance in order to do to, you know, to put into place a more sustainable model long term. Do, do you agree that mm. you know maybe it's still still people care you know corporations care mainly about the bottom line maybe even more so now that they've been out of business for two or three months yeah and that's the challenge so corporations yeah absolutely um corporations are just extensions of us as individuals they're collections of individuals and they're just operating under the wrong system uh with the wrong mindset um and um whether that changes, I don't know. But if they don't, I think you know all these corporations are going to eventually fall flat anyway. Um, so yeah, I mean, blame is not the way forwards. I mean, um, you can you can identify what the problem is, but there's not a lot of value in in apportioning blame and making sure that people are punished um, and that that's the most important thing. Obviously, punishment is necessary in in some um, situations but it's the wrong mindset to take with the problems we've got right now i think um part of the problem is we, we're setting up these sort of polarized um, antagonistic camps um where either side is the enemy and um anything they stand for has to be wrong and there's we're not meeting in the middle and that's 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 what we need to to learn how to do and to and to reopen those lines of communication between the these sort of extremes that we're more and more being drawn to um so in many ways the court the corporations could be the most important um way out of this because they have such far-reaching powers and ability to change things quickly much more quickly than governments so you know if we could if we could get a change of mindset at the corporate level um that would be that would be amazing i agree i as i say it i'm sort of like who are you kidding um <laughs> it's about the bottom line the bottom line is so important that's... yeah but absolutely but even 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 they could realize um that ultimately th- th- this is going nowhere this this mode of consciousness that we're, that, that all these institutions are operating from is 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 it's a dead end and we are we are approaching the end of the cul-de-sac so um uh, I'm hoping that there should be some sort of revelation there, um, but it's it's yeah it's very difficult to say. Um, and you know the co- the corporations are only doing what we ask them to do, because and you know you can say that they're playing playing a game with us and the the PR and the, we're we're being fooled, but we you know we are being fooled. It's all too easy. They just sucker us straight into it. So and we for more and more stuff and more entertainment and more distraction. And they they readily readily provide it for us. So it's a it's a symbiotic relationship um, between the, the corporation and their customer. So they are not uh, without blame, but they are not wholly to blame. There's been some wonderful byproducts of coronavirus. It seems a little bit sick me actually saying that, but you know, lots of us have commented uh, on the uh, the reduced levels of pollution. I don't know if that's just a sort of placebo because we know there's a lot less industry going on, but it does feel a lot. The air does feel a lot clearer, doesn't it? <laughs> it does. <laughs> yeah, it's so true. Yes, I mean the roads are quieter, the air feels clearer. I've certainly noticed more bird song. Now I don't know whether that's because there's more birds or I've just got more time right. or there's less traffic noise. Um, 
and um, you know the roadside verges aren't being decimated as they usually are at this time every year. Um, so you know there's wildflowers and all this sort of stuff, and it's it, it's a, it's a clue, isn't it? Yes. When we we take our, our our foot off the throat of Mother Nature, she just bounces back and is prolific. And and that's that that's what she's she's asking us to do. That's what we're being invited to do is to stop trying to control everything, stop trying to fix everything or bend it to our will and and allow things to be, allow things to to just express themselves naturally, yeah. including ourselves. There are videos all over the Internet of animals sort of, you know, repopulating cities and stuff like that. It reminds me of, of 12 Monkeys, you know, the, the film yeah. 12 Monkeys. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting because we it does feel like we're living in a sci-fi movie at the moment. <laughs> it certainly You does. know, if you'd showed this if you'd showed this as a film, you know, two or three years ago, uh you, you people have looked at it and go, Wow, it's so bizarre, you know, this idea that people can't be within six feet of each other or have to wear a mask. It would seem utterly strange to us, wouldn't it? Well, but it's become good. the new norm so quickly. Totally. And in fact there's a very good film called Contagion. Um Yes. And it just it just nailed it. It, it just absolutely yeah. nailed it. <laughs> and uh, I've, I've made the mistake of watching it about a week into lockdown and then sort of was cowering, wow. cowering behind my sofa for the another week. <laughs> um, but it, it was remarkably accurate. Um, so, yeah, but it, it feels it does feel like a movie. And um, I, I, I think that's partly because it was like an, um, a great idea, but partly because the evidence was there a few years ago, wasn't it? We've heard all about how the evidence of, of potential pandemics has been there for a long time. Yeah, I mean, plenty of people saw it coming. Plenty of people raised mm. the alarm. Um, but lots of people who um, could have made the decisions to prepare us for it didn't make those decisions um, for whatever whatever reason. Short-termism, I should imagine, would be the, the, the main reason. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't remember a time that was been, that's been more dramatic. And I mean, 9-11, 9-11, the days immediately after 9-11 were probably the most dramatic. But Champions League final, 99? <laughs> naturally, naturally. Well, yeah, the Cricket World Cup final last, last summer, maybe, maybe. <laughs> Sorry, go on, go on. Um, but... Um, I completely agree with you, by the way. Yeah. Unprecedented. The, the term unprecedented has been used almost as much as the term coronavirus. Yeah, absolutely. But it's only unprecedented for us because it's happened before. It has happened. There have been pandemics before. The human, human species has experienced things like this many times before. And actually, the, the, the interesting thing about viruses is that they play a, a really important role in evolution and in the transfer of DNA. So um, what, we rec what we know now is that um, we are, our current position at the top of the evolutionary, uh, I don't know yep. what to call it, um, is in large part because of our interactions with, with viruses. We are the product of viruses. So they play an enormously important role. And again, this 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 shows our, our sort of wrong mindset. Our, our our relationship with these viruses is that they're this sort of horrendous evil that we must um overcome and fight and destroy and win win the battle against. Um when and I, I'm not I'm not saying we treat it as some kind of cuddly teddy bear, um, but it's it's a natural, naturally occurring um a phenomena that's been with us as long as we've been around um and for all the the damage that it causes it also creates these situations and these opportunities for us to level up 
quite frankly. Um, and very often in these times, we do make a bit of a step forwards. And I, I suspect that that's exactly what's going to happen now. Um, this, this, this huge disruption will, will lead to many positive changes. No, I'd love to think that is the case. I, I do love your positivity about it. Um, yeah, it's, it's funny, isn't it? Because we, we constantly talk about destroying the planet, which we are, but the planet will recover. It's humankind that could be extinct in, in 30 <laughs> years' time. And that that's, still sounds alarmist, the idea of 30 years. But, you know, even in a few years, we could be completely buggered if something else comes along now and compounds the current problems, a different type of disease that comes along at the same time. You know, we could be talking about two or three years. I think that, if nothing else, this is... The, the people that have poo-pooed the idea of global heating and ecological disaster, I think that maybe it's a wake-up call for the, the, the deniers. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think it's a wake-up call for all of us on both sides of the camp. I think the deniers, yes, but also those that perhaps um, have too um, mainstream a view and are sort of by by completely into... So, for instance, with, with climate change, we're, we're sort of obsessed with carbon dioxide um, as if... All of this huge, complex, in, you know, interconnected series of problems can be reduced down to this single atom. And if we just sort of suck a bit of carbon out of the air or, or change the way we produce our energy, that all of our problems are going to go away. And it, it just, it's just not going to happen like that. It's a much more complex, um, deeper problem. Um, and these, um, yeah, so, I mean... The environmental collapse and um, these kind of crises will just keep coming thick and fast until until we until we realise it. Um, yeah, so I forgot, forgot where I was going with that. <laughs> so like me, I do that all the time, and it's so frustrating. It and then we'll start talking about something else, and, and then, then you'll pipe back in. Yeah, yeah absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Um, well, feel free to pipe back in at any stage. I was going yeah, to ask you, what's, uh, I, I'm, I've got this fanciful idea that we might actually do some kind of meditation later, but I didn't give you any sort of warning for that. So, okay. so we'll, we'll just see how you feel. Let that sit with you for a while. But what's yeah, been happening in your world with meditation over the last three years? Is it is it something which evolves for you over time in terms of your understanding of it and in terms of what you get from it? Very much so. Um, I think I, I started meditating just to deal with stress and anxiety that I was suffering um, and that's where a lot of people in the west are, are coming to it from but what happens over time is the more you practice it is it, it sort of really opens you up and um, to a sort of a wider view of of the universe and everything that's going on and you start to look deeper into things and uh, it, it changed my perspective and you attract new experiences because your mindset changes because your, your wider uh, sort of belief system perhaps you actually attract these uh, these experiences to you and um i've had some very interesting uh, experiences over the, the three years um since i last saw you you know from before then from when i started meditation so it does change you and your practice deepens you have but you have i've, I've had lots of uh problems and frustrations and in the early two or three years i would start meditating stop meditating start meditating stop meditating and, and all things and it took a long time for me to make it part of my a regular part of my life and then you know for you through, to really see the benefits oh totally i mean i 
used to, I was getting really severe panic attacks before I started to meditate. And since I started meditating, I've, I've never had a single panic attack since. So it's a very obvious improvement there. And it's not just linked to the meditation, but it's a fairly clear line before which I had lots of panic attacks and after which I didn't have any. Um, and it just, it makes, it enhances your life in all kinds of ways. It, it, it deepens your connection with life, with your inter everyday, inter even small everyday interactions become much more meaningful. Um, and, it, you know, it gives you great clarity. Um, you still, it doesn't turn you into some sort of paragon of virtue. I, I can get angry. I can get frustrated. Um, I can do still things. Still can't like levitate. Sadly, no. Sadly, no. Uh, well, I, at night, yes. <laughs> in my dreams. In my dreams. <laughs> nice. But that's interesting what you're talking about with the anxiety thing. And I'm sure we discussed it last time we spoke. But um, anxiety is uh, linked very much to, the, to concern about the future. Is that right? Um, it can be. It's, it, it's usually a sign that things are stressing you out and that the, your problems are getting too much for you to, to cope with and you need to take steps. You know, that, that sort of feelings of anxiety, especially repetitive and then intense feelings of anxiety like a, like a, an, um, a panic attack. So for you, was it about was it about something solid and singular that you were panicking about or was it just a general overwhelming feeling? Um, it was a general... Foreboding. Yeah, totally overwhelming feeling and you, you sort of feel like you're going to keel over and die or the world's going to end or, or something like that. So they're really unpleasant things to experience. Um, and, I, you know, I think if you look back to when they were getting really intense, I was about to become a father. Don't panic. It doesn't happen to everyone. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was busy studying to be an osteopath whilst working still. Um, I was becoming aware of just how screwed up our society was and how, we were, you know, it was all falling into place in terms of just what a horrendous situation we we'd, we find ourselves in. And it all came, came crashing in and um, got to a point where something had to give. Um, so at that point, were you in terms of your, uh, you know, general lifestyle, were you like abusing your body physically as well? Or were you just like living pretty uh, healthily, but just not hadn't quite got there in terms of the mental side of things? Um, I certainly wasn't abusing it like the good old days uh, down in right, Canada. Yeah, yeah. But, um, I was still. I was <laughs> Last still... one's out of the pub, you and I. <laughs> oh, happy days. Happy days. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> but. Um, uh, I was still very much uh, over in, overindulging in alcohol. I would say had an unhealthy relationship. It was at the tail end. It was it was getting better, but it it wasn't where it needed to be. Um, but I have I have moved away from um, that side of my life, and um, I, I was quite unfit at the time. Uh, so all these things kind of came together, um, and. The, the shift, and this is the other thing that the, the, the practice of meditation helped me do, it helped me shift from that sort of unhealthy mindset to a healthier one. I started to make decisions. I started to look after myself, drink less, exercise more, um, got my stuff together so I wasn't this sort of useless, feckless idiot. Um, you know, I realized I was sort of about to be a father and all this sort of thing. So I had to sort of get my stuff together. And I you know, did that gradually over a period of time. 
but the meditation was very much a catalyst for that. Um, it, a lot, a lot of um, uh, anxiety is also bound up with low self-esteem, uh, and I think many of us, when we're in this state of separation, we can find ourselves feeling very down about ourselves and who we are, and we can be very negative towards ourselves. Um, so this again is another thing that that. Um, meditation and mindfulness practice can help you do is to just have a much healthier relationship with yourself um, and from there you can you can really start to make some progress it's a really classic example of how adversity can be a springboard in your life because it seems as if that whole experience of anxiety and panic attacks and sort of um evaluating where you were in your life and not being happy about your, your self-esteem etc etc um it really shaped your whole career Absolutely. It took me off on a completely different uh, pathway. Um, and there were many challenges involved with that. And it was certainly wasn't a straightforward um, uh, journey. But I've ended up in a in a much better place or, um, you know, I was until uh, coronavirus came along and sort of knocked the business on the head. Um, but mm. so internally, um, in terms of myself, a much better place. Um, and that's that we're all on this journey. We're all on this same journey. And um that's the journey that we're on as a society. So individually and collectively, we're all going through these challenges that invite us to, to really take a close look at who we are and to find these really healthier ways to, 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 to move forwards and live our lives. And at all times, the universe is inviting us to do this, to do this. They're, 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 it's giving us these challenges precisely so we can learn and grow and um, meditation really helps you connect uh, with those lessons and, uh, and and perhaps see them a bit more clearly. Mm. And over the last three years or even beyond, is there anybody that's really impressed or inspired you? Somebody whose you know, teachings you've, you've been particularly taken by? Is there anybody that you could refer us to to sort of continue our meditation and mindfulness journey? Apart from with you, of course. <laughs> well, um, the guy who's perhaps in the last five, five to ten years, who's had a very significant effect on me is a man called Alan Watts. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Who's not alive anymore, right? No, he died in nine, early 1970, 74, I think. So um, year I was born. And um, uh, there's some strange synchronicities around myself and Alan. And Amazing. I'm so pleased you brought yeah. this up. So he was a, a long-time resident of uh, Sausalito, which I believe is just around the, the corner from you, actually. I can see it from my window. Ah, beautiful place. It beautiful. really is, yeah. Um, so, yeah, he lived there uh, for a long time and for, for the latter part of his life. Um, and he was um, a, a sort of popular popularizer of um, Eastern um, thinking, philosophy and, and practices. And uh, he was kind of at the forefront of the countercultural revolution. And he was kind of the first sort of intellectual superstar. He was on TV and radio and he would have, been, he would have had his own podcast for sure um, <laughs> if he was a, a, alive today. But was he a self-publicist or did that sort of publicity just surround him because he was so brilliant? A bit of both, probably. Okay. He was quite, uh, he was, uh, he's an interesting character because he's, he, his, his a take on sort of meditation and spirituality and all these sorts of things is, is kind of anti um, or antithetical to the peace and love, love and light, um, okay. new age kind of way of looking at it. He was very um, uh, down to earth about 
being who you are, being human and, and accepting of your faults and just living life as an expression of the universe. And and um, the most important thing for him was to recognize this, um, this that, you know, we've become separated in our minds and, and, to, and to reconnect. He had a beautiful way of expressing himself without, you know, sounding too clever or, um, uh, you know, using mumbo jumbo. Um, uh, so uh, there's been something of a... Uh, a revival of his teachings often on sort of YouTube videos and, and using these old recordings um, so he, he's been um, quite welcomed back into the fold in, in the last sort of 10 10 15 years I would say and he, it, it's time because his message is an important one um, there's a particularly excellent book probably his, his best book that he wrote which is called the, the, the taboo against knowing who you are and um, I would highly recommend that as um, a way into his work and just as a brilliant book to read um, in, at this current time of, uh, of coronavirus crisis. I'm definitely um, going to pick it up. Yeah, yeah. And there's, there's lots of recordings of, there, of him out there. And he's the kind of, you can just sit and be mesmerized by him. Um, but he was a curious character because he was an alcoholic. Um, he, he was not that sort of embodiment of... Um, he was a you know absolute womanizer, um, but you know that's he was a man of his time in that respect. But also he was not that sort of embodied um, Buddhist type monk of, right. of sort of calm and peacefulness. He was very human, very uh, approachable, and uh, very accessible, and full of wisdom. And you know I think he's he's a really important um, important uh, voice. Uh, at this time so yeah highly recommended in a time uh, you know a time in the world where we all get so restless just sitting in one space it's amazing to think about someone like alan watts because he probably spent a large chunk of his life doing precisely that he really seems to me yes. like a, a a real genuine philosopher in terms of the, the teachings or the the videos or you know the the audio that i've heard of him a lot of it's for me quite cryptic and it takes time to sort of unwrap it and really think about what he's saying and you, you sort of mm. yeah i find myself having revelations every now and again of something that he said and i think wow i'm understanding that on a different level all of a sudden having thought about it like yeah yeah, beneath beneath the seemingly um, you know homespun way of uh, presenting himself was a very deep thinker, and you do have to take time with these things, and that's that's no bad thing. Um, it's just I find it more accessible because it's not professing some kind of spiritual right. hierarchy or or perfection. It's just kind of we're all okay. You know, we all can find this. It's 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 accessible to all of us. Um, none of us are kept out of the party. We can all join in. Um, and whereas a lot of um, mainstream religions and spiritual traditions, if they're not careful, become kind of traps for this kind of um, hierarchical approach to spirituality, um, which I, I don't think has any any worth or traction, really. This is off the top of my head, but I'm thinking, you know, maybe the elite actually, the establishment wants us to be anxious because if we are all happy, are we going to be those useful cogs in the machine? Are we going to still like, are we going to be motivated if we're all happy and we're just ruminating all the time? Is, is anything going to get done? <laughs> absolutely, absolutely not. Yeah, you're, you're right. But what you've got to remember about the elites is that there is nobody more deluded. There is nobody more lost or, or as far from um, uh, happiness, happiness. contentment yeah. than these guys, these people who are chasing money and power and influence 
are, are the, the most lost of all of us. They are the most worthy of our, our compassion. And, um, uh, you know, I, I feel sorry for like I look at Donald Trump. I just feel sorry for the guy, quite frankly, because, um, you know, he's having a hard time of it. He might not realize it, but he is. <laughs> yeah, agreed. And more recently, um, I've actually felt sorry for him too. I've, I watch his press briefings every day and he's just un completely besieged at this point in time, largely of his own doing, yeah, because yeah. he was so bolshy and ridiculous with his projections in the first place. <laughs> uh, and now, now that it's, all, you know, it's all coming home to roost. But uh, yeah, he's so embattled that I do, uh, you know, he, he, even somebody of his hubris would surely at some stage feel like, oh, please just leave me alone. <laughs> It's a classic example of the universe is just giving him lesson after lesson after lesson. Each one <laughs> is an opportunity to recognise where he is, where he's coming from, and, and perhaps maybe do things differently. He doesn't seem to be uh, hearing it at the moment, but he'll he'll get there. You think? Yeah, eventually, eventually. Based on <laughs> based on his opponent for the next election, I think he's going to get another term anyway. I think it's uh, more likely than not at this at this point. Yeah, quite possibly. I don't I don't think these figures have the ability to affect things as much as, as, as we think. Um, I don't think it's a matter of changing the leadership and everything will be okay. Um, put the leader we like in and everything will, will be magic, magically fixed. Uh, I just don't see it. Um, they are all, we are all enmeshed in this, in this system. We're all part of it. All of our institutions are part of it. The, the problem will not be solved from within that that mindset and those institutions that embody it. And yeah, absolutely. And you know, the, I think that the America will run in a similar pattern, regardless of who's at the helm, unless you get somebody really radical in there. Um, I mean, Bernie Sanders, mm -hmm. absolutely great guy. I'd vote for him in a heartbeat. But uh, things run the same. I mean, I wasn't here when Barack Obama was, was president and I was a big fan of his. But seriously, uh, you've probably been to America yourself, but living here, the homelessness situation is absolutely shocking. I mean, you go, you know, living in London, for example, you see a smattering of homelessness from time to time. You see it, but in America, it's just in a, on a different level. Every underpass you go to in a city centre near a motorway is just just lit littered with with homeless people. It, the homeless situation here is so bad, and it's the richest country in the world. And there's just such a disparity, there's such a, a disconnect. And it, again, I think it comes down to you know personal greed at the end of the day that we've become even you know i i moan about it but i'm i suppose i'm desensitized to the homelessness situation as well because i'm you know not spending my time sorting it out i'm just getting on with my life and giving a few dollars here and there yeah yeah well i mean absolutely but it's such a massive problem and it's 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 endemic to the system and uh, it, it's it's a terrible terrible thing and it but it's interesting isn't it because we can we can stop everything on a dime we've done it we've done it with this virus um, and we can divert all the resources we need wherever they need to go. There's nothing stopping us from solving the homeless crisis, really. We, we have created abundance. It's done. All that matters now is how we distribute. share yeah. and distribute. Um, so that was just going back to that PR point quite a way back now. But that's, that's, that stopped us from doing that. It, it's, we, we've taken too much for ourselves instead of spreading that abundance out to everybody. Um, America is an amazing country, but it's got these huge sort of um, polarized uh, situations, you know, where you've got the very the most richest people in the world, most powerful people in the world, but then just this multitude of, of, of the, the poor and the destitute. I mean, it's, it's so sad. But 
it, the way America is designed right now, it's just this is this is the natural end product. Um, the way all of our countries are. I mean, we might be some might be better off than others, but none of us are fixing the homeless crisis. Um, yeah, and it seems like it seems the majority of people are so preoccupied with making ends meet themselves, with being able to afford healthcare, with being able yeah. to afford, you know, it's a very costly place to live. A lot of, well, you know, especially on the West Coast of California. And so people are so preoccupied with making ends meet themselves. You know, they're part of the rat race that they, they don't have really have enough time or, well, they don't feel they've got yeah. enough time to consider the wider problems. No, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, if, if, if we didn't have to go out and make a crust ourselves, Maybe we could find it in our hearts and minds to go and help the homeless, to go and um, help the natural world recover, to um, you know help the elderly, help the sick. You know, maybe maybe if we had that time, we would do these things. Um, it's interesting over here in the UK when um, when the crisis kind of really started to bite, and it was clear that the NHS was beginning to struggle. A call was placed to sort of the general public to come and volunteer and help. And hundreds and hundreds and thousands of people volunteered to uh, to come and join and help the NHS. So many that they didn't, they just had to turn most of them away. So when we're given the opportunity, we really, we want to do these things. We want to help. We want to be altruistic. So, but yeah, we're, we're stuck in that, that busy doing, rat racy um, life that stops us from, from doing it. Yeah, so true. I mean, I can literally talk about this stuff for hours. It's so fascinating. And you speak with such clarity. It's so so enjoyable speaking to you. I want to talk, though, about, from a selfish point of view, parenthood. Because as uh, you have recently been made aware, <laughs> I'm going to become a father for the first time. If all goes well, touch wood. Yeah, oh, absolutely. We see ourselves as sort of, you know, free spirits who like to travel a lot. And we love our lifestyle. Mm. And we were sort of pretty happy with our lot. And then... Mm. Uh, and then my, my beautiful wife got pregnant. And um, for me, it was always a sense of, a, a small sense in the background of FOMO, you know, fear of missing out. I thought if Dee wanted to have kids, I'd be totally up for it because I'd like to see what it's like to be a father. And even if it's not all it's cracked up to be, I'll do my best. I'll do a good, I'll try and do a good job. Yeah. And now she's pregnant. She's, she's, she's starting to really feel a sense of nurturing for the baby. <laughs> There's a smile whenever we talk about it. And she's doing really, really good. But we're still petrified about whether you know we're gonna we're gonna make the grade and also petrified about whether it's all it's cracked up to be because all of my friends tell me this is going to be the most amazing thing you ever do in your life so talk me through it <laughs> oh my word well yes parenthood hey crikey um firstly congratulations it's wonderful news and it Thank is you, it friend. is a, a wonderful wonderful thing but it's it's not straightforward <laughs> Um, <laughs> Give it, you're giving it me straight. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you what, nothing has, I, I've, the one thing that has caused me most growth and, and personal development has been parenthood um, because it really challenges you in, in many ways. And How? The, the minute that child arrives, before that child arrives even, you're suddenly aware that you are not the focal point of your universe right. anymore. There is this <laughs> other thing that, is dependent on you that you need to nurture and care for and uh you know you have to step up to the plate and it it, it's it's it is challenging it can be everyone has their own experience no one's experience is exactly the same um and you know you can't really be prepared for it no one can tell you what it's going to be like it's one of those things you have to experience it to to know what it really is um 
but you will be in raptures, uh, you'll be knackered, you'll be frightened, you'll be, <laughs> you know, all the emotions, the whole gamut of emotions are, is involved. Um, but yeah, it is it is the greatest opportunity for growth any individual I think can can have. Um, it will it will seek out all your little um, personal uh, foibles and challenge them directly. However, um, it is it is absolutely a wonderful wonderful thing, and you know you you will not want to go back to a time. Wow. When you, you did have children. Um, so please just say you, know, you know, you know, obviously unfortunate things can happen. So you, you have to be aware of that. It's not all sort of, you know, uh, everything goes according to plan. I've had many a worrying session at A&E with a hurt child or whatever it is, or a sleepless night because we're worried about their, their physical health, their mental health or, or is so you know, it is. It, it, it comes with those challenges, um, but uh, you know, it's 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 a it's a great great thing to be able to do in your life. And you you can't you can't do it perfectly. So you have to you have to let go of that. Okay. The most important thing to be a good parent is just to be available, to be present, to be there for your child and for your partner. So give them, give of them your your time, your focus, your your emotion. Be be available uh, emotionally and and mentally. Be present, and care. Give a shit what happens to this child. And even though you will get things wrong and get angry and shouting or whatever, as long as you're there and you care about them, you are being a good parent. So. That's 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 the thing, and, and don't worry, don't get caught in these sort of perfect parent traps that that, that, that will be out there for you. Um, just just uh, just be full of love for your child, and all will be well. I think you there are many ways to to live life and to find joy and fulfilment in life, and you don't have to be a parent to do that. But I would say that being a parent is it's the most fulfilling and joyous thing I've ever done, as well as being the most frustrating. Uh, knackering and annoying thing I've ever done as well. Um, so it, it's kind of got those two sides in it. Um, and that's in a strange way, what's so beautiful about it. Um, because you care, because you care so much about this, this little package, uh, um, it, 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 it's, it's transformative. I'm so pleased that I spoke to you about it. <laughs> that was exactly the response I wanted. And you said it. You, you said it from a point, a place of real honesty from your heart. You really, I could sense that you really meant it. You weren't just like you know softening the blow for me for the you know the years of insomnia no. that lie ahead. <laughs> well, like I say, with the sleep thing, it can it can depend on the individual child and the individual parents. We were unfortunate that our, our two were terrible sleepers. Really. So really? Uh, we we had a tough start. Um, um, in terms of the lack of sleep, it went on for quite a long time. Um, but even if you don't get that, you will be challenged in some other department. It, it just it, no one has this kind of this, uh, easy passage through through parenthood. There's always something at some point. So um, you know, just buckle up <laughs> <laughs> and uh, enjoy the ride. Wow! Expect those three a.m. calls when I have no idea what I'm doing. 
anytime. Oh, anytime. what a guy, what a guy. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely very excited about it. And overall, I feel really positive. I've been thrilled from the first moment that I found out I was actually given the pregnancy test on my birthday. It was the first present I was oh, asked to unwrap. The best present, eh? Yeah, it was such a great present. And um, yeah, we're definitely thrilled, but I just don't have no idea what to expect. And my sister, my older sister has two kids and she said, this is now my time for revenge because after a couple of, when your kid's a couple of years old, I'm going to come around your house, make it so excited that it's ready to be sick. And then I'm going to give it back to you, just like you've done for all these years. <laughs> uh, Uncle Ollie, I see you've uh, got a lot to answer for. <laughs> 100%. I'm like, I'm great fun for like an hour and then I just sort of give them back and, and everybody else has to pay the price. Sick yeah, children. <laughs> well, yes, you're, no, you'll, be, you'll, be, you'll be glad when people come over and, and take them off your hands for, uh, for a little while. But then, yeah, there's always a price to be paid. <laughs> Absolutely. Tell me how we can connect with you, how the wider world can connect with you. You can access it all through the business website, um, which, which is? is the the ifly term practice uh, so it's um www.iflytermpractice.co.uk uh, i've got a dedicated i'll put it on the website anyway great um, i can always email it to you please and, 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 uh, um you can access uh our sort of mindfulness page there's lots of information about mindfulness there and we've got a youtube channel where i've uploaded a load of um uh, guided meditations to um i'm more than happy to do um as i'm finding out now that I can run these courses um, on my meditation courses online so if anyone would like me to to do that um, I'm more than happy to just drop me a line and we can we can sort something out that's absolutely amazing and as to my earlier suggestion I, I I'm probably being a little bit cheeky here but as to my earlier suggestion about whether you might guide me through a short meditation now is that possible yeah, yeah of course absolutely absolutely but this is what I'm going to do Ben I'm going to go out onto my balcony and sit in the sun because I need this meditation session so I'm no going to worry. So I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to just move my computer out into the sun in the balcony and uh, and then we can you can walk us through it. This is amazing. I thank you so much. <laughs> no problem. No problem. Okay, I'm here. I'm comfortable. I'm sitting upright and in a good healthy posture. Fantastic. Excellent. I like that. Um, okay, so we just did something really simple. And um, we're going to we're going to focus on the the sensations of breathing. Okay, so when when we do this, we do or we do this for a number of reasons. Um, uh, a, it's got this sort of nice, gentle, rhythmical nature that helps us relax. When we focus on the breath, it engages our relaxation response. Um, secondly, the breath is always available to you. You can access it at any time, so you don't have to rely on anything external. The breath is just there whenever you need it. But the main reason we focus on the breath is because. Um, it only ever happens in the present moment. You can't breathe in the past or breathe in the future. So by definition, if you're focusing on your breath, you're bringing yourself into the present moment. And as you do this, what you will, what you will notice is that your mind will probably want to wander off in, in all sorts of strange directions. Um, and that's okay, that's nothing to be frustrated about. You just, the trick is to notice that your mind has wandered and then bring it back to the meditation and to focus on the breath. And the more you can do that, um, the more regularly you do that, the better you get at maintaining your focus. But really the moment of mindfulness is when you, you notice that your mind has wandered. So it's an important part of the process and certainly nothing to be uh, frustrated about. So now you're in that nice, uh, comfortable seated position, I'm gonna invite you just to close your eyes. 
And as you close your eyes, your attention will naturally turn inwards. So just take a moment to notice what's happening in your mind and body right now. Notice any thoughts or feelings or sensations. And whatever whatever is happening, you don't have to do anything about it. You don't have to change anything or analyze it. Just see if you can allow things to be just as they are. Just experience what's happening in your mind and body right now. Now bring your attention to the sensations of breathing. You may notice the air coming in through your nose or mouth, or your ribs expanding and contracting, or the gentle rise and fall of your abdomen. Just pay close attention to your breath, noting these sensations. And it doesn't matter how you're breathing. It doesn't matter if it's fast or slow, or if it's shallow or deep. All you have to do is watch your breath Watch it come and go. Notice it flowing in and flowing out of its own accord. Using the breath to bring your mind into the present moment and resting there. There's nothing you have to do right now. There's no way you have to be. You're just sitting here, present with your breath, in this moment. And if at any point you're distracted, if your mind wanders to thoughts or sounds or sensations, that's okay. Just notice that your mind has wandered and then gently bring it back to the meditation back to the breath. Sitting here, breathing in and breathing out. 
being present with your breath in this moment. Just seeing if you can let your body relax, let your mind be still. With each out breath, let any stress or worry flow out with your breath. And just observe. Notice your breath as it comes and goes. Now, take a deep breath in, filling your lungs completely, and then breathe out, letting your body relax, letting go of any stress and tension. And then when you're ready, begin to bring your attention away from the breath, and back to your body as a whole. But see if you can bring that sense of stillness and peace as you gently move your fingers and toes, come back to the room and open your eyes. Okay. Dude, that's that was awesome. Thank you so much. I've been through periods of doing meditation in the past and then, but I'm out of the habit at the moment. And it's so interesting what you talk about with stillness and peace because that's really it, isn't it? And the mind wandering. Like you start you get into this comfortable, peaceful mind space and then there's a part of you that's just trying to drag you away, like trying to make you panic and trying to make you, you know, think, prioritize other things rather than doing the meditation. You need to go, you need to start doing this, mate. You need to start getting up and, you know, getting on with this. What are you doing sitting here? Absolutely. Absolutely. That's the, you know, the egoic mind. It wants to be doing it. Wants, mm. uh, it the last thing it wants you to do is start connecting with uh, your deeper self. Um, so, uh, but it, it's important to realize that the thoughts will always come. Mm. Um, and for me, uh, so a comment I often hear is, oh, I can't meditate because I can't stop my thoughts. Well, you, you're never going to stop your thoughts. They will always come. And the, 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 the trick is to sort of find that healthy relationship with them where you can sort of let them arise and then let them go right. rather than following them and getting distracted. But also, if you do get distracted, not being hard on yourself and going, oh, God, failed again, um, just bring yourself back to the meditation and start again. I still I still get distracted when I meditate. I still have periods where I suddenly realize I've been thinking about tea or whatever mm. it is. Mm. Um, uh, so, you know, I don't know if that ever goes away. I believe the, the Dalai Lama himself has said, oh, I still, you know, get lost in thoughts when I meditate. So um, mm. if he's struck with it, there's no hope for any of us. Um, so, but you know, it's, it's not, it's not a problem. 
Um, it's part of the process. Uh, the, the, as I said, the moment of mindfulness is when you're noticing that your mind has wandered. Um, and with regular practice, yes, you, you do get better at it. And you can spend longer periods, perhaps between in the spaces between thoughts. And that's where those kind of deep insights come and those sort of deeper experiences um, start to happen. So, um, yeah, don't don't let the sort of the continual flow of thoughts frustrate you. Um, learn to see them as kind of uh, friends and, and part of part of your, your meditation process. Mm. And, and do you think that that is really, you know, what the benefits of meditation are in microcosm you know that that little battle that you have during the meditation period is the battle that you have in your life as well and if you can train yourself to be more calm and let things pass in general then that can reflect and you know it can it can affect your whole your whole being absolutely um so it's not it's it's a bit of a paradox because it's kind of the doing non-doing paradox where you are sort of non-doing by doing something right um uh so and you are you are still having you're not denying the fact that you might have a, an angry thought but you are able to just sit back from it and observe mm. it and allow it to be as it is and not act not not unconsciously act on this thought but consciously choose to act how you want to act in that moment. Most of us are sort of ruled by our thoughts and emotions. Impulses. Sort of thought. Yeah, absolutely. And you just act. We unconsciously act. So um, meditation and mindfulness gives you that opportunity just to recognize that, that you know, there's space there to, to, to make it a, a different choice and not to react unconsciously. But also to recognize that deep down you are not your thoughts. Your thoughts are something that you just experience. You are that which experiences those thoughts. Right. That's your true essence. And once you connect with that, um, you know, you, you, you realize, because um, some people are very hard on themselves because all these weird thoughts pop in their head. They think, well, I'm a bad person because I thought I was jealous. Mm. I had a jealous or an angry thought. Um, but if you recognize that those thoughts are just weird chemical reactions in your brain that are causing you to have this thought, um, and that really the, the, the truth of who you are is the person observing it. You don't have to attach your identity to those thoughts and you can let them go. And they cease then to have any power over you. Mm. Um, and that's that's a really important um, part of the, the, the mindfulness and meditation practice. Yeah, definitely. I've heard about that idea before and it's, it really resonates. But I must say that just um, speaking to you for an hour and a half now, I genuinely feel just calm i think it's not obviously the meditations had an impact but also just your general demeanor is very calm and unassuming but still quietly assured and uh and and you but no but you you speak at a certain pace as well which is really like not too fast and not too slow and it's very sort of calming and reassuring and um yeah your whole your aura is pretty amazing <laughs> well, that's good. <laughs> Glad to thank you. So um, I'm sure you must be very successful in your pursuits. Well, I, I know I have my challenges too, um, um, and uh, there's things I need to work on. Uh, none of us, uh, none of us are perfect or, or have got it cracked. I don't think that's why we're here mm. on this in, in this imperfect world that is so juicy and delicious, but also so dark and mysterious. So. 
Um, but we tend to, it's, it's, a lot of the times we gravitate towards that dark and mysterious, don't we? Rather than sort of unwrapping and appreciating those amazing gifts that are around us, the things that we've been talking about today, the appreciation of the moment, appreciation of nature, all of these things which are free, but which we don't seem to covet as much as we do those material things, well, a lot of people anyway. Yes, absolutely. And they're very alluring and we get sucked into it. But mm. it, it, all, it, all, it all stems from this this illusion of, of separateness um, and if we can overcome that then a lot of this stuff just falls away yeah and also maybe you know we've always just assumed we've been complacent with nature and with the present we've always assumed that it's 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 infinite it's it's, it's limitless you know there's no mm -hmm. scarcity of the of those things so we don't cover them in the same way you know uh, along that idea of you you want what you haven't got you want what you can't have you know you can have mm -hmm. the present you can have nature you can have all of these amazing things because they're there maybe we just take them for granted yeah, absolutely. There are planetary boundaries, and we're we're crossing them left, right, and centre. Mm. So, um, yeah, <laughs> it's finite, all right. <laughs> <laughs> on on this on this material level, absolutely. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, uh, we could talk about the sort of uh, the, you know different energetic levels or, or whatever it is, and 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 ultimately, um, the ground of being is is infinite. But here and now, in this material realm. Um, there are there are real consequences to our choices and actions, and um, yeah, we are starting to reap the whirlwind, unfortunately. Wow, I, I'd like to leave it on a more positive note, but you are overwhelmingly positive. So you know that little tidbit of uh, foreboding <laughs> was uh, was, was just a drop in the ocean of your positivity. Yeah, let's not be complacent. Um, there's work to be done. Natural high.